0: Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, my good buddy, executive producer extraordinaire, uh, fellow watch enthusiast, Cameron McCoy. My dude, what is up? Dude, nothing. I mean, it. it I, I'm just
1: excited to be here right now. I have nothing to say other than let's go. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. Um, you know, hey. More than once, we've been accused of being too negative. I think there's a lot to say here, and I think writ large, Dominaria United has made some pretty massive changes,
1: mm-hmm.
0: much more so than I thought were you know were going to take place. We've both been playing a lot of Magic. I do want to say this before I kind of hand off the mic to you. I have been like really battling allergies, so I. A, have played incredibly poorly all weekend. In fact, I'm fairly certain today I've lost something like 16 or 17 matches and won like two. Okay. Like, and all me, all me, like whenever you're on that Benadryl, man, magic is not where you want to be. <laughs> but I do that for this show and I do it for you, Cameron, because I don't want you to be disappointed in me. I right? appreciate
1: that, dude. Thanks. Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> So if I make less sense, if my voice sounds scratchy, sorry for all those things uh that ragweed man it's got me so uh i'm interested to hear about your impressions of the set did you get to play on paper have you only been playing on arena where you at
1: yeah uh i've played both paper and uh on arena a lot on arena i i have this this i don't know i'm probably repeating myself literally repeating myself from like you know episodes past where i say sealed is where it's at for me the first week of of mm-hmm. the new set and I mean I just go really hard into that and then forget about it completely. Um so doing that again this week and um having a really I I mean like I really really like this set as far as a sealed set. I feel like while I haven't had I haven't opened, I haven't played like any like absurd packs. Like I haven't had like these absurd draws where Like, um, I'm going to go over the top, but I really like what they're doing. It's, it's Dominaria. It's so straightforward in what it's trying to do with like the color pies actually mean what the color pies normally are supposed to do. Um, you, you can mix and match those colors. You can try to go three colors if you want. It all kind of works pretty well, uh, in a sealed pool. Um, and I've played everything from, like, a, a green-red aggro to black-white-splashing-blue sort of things. Um And while I can't tell you <laughs> nothing has, like, really stood out as far as, like, being an all-star or anything like that, I think the removal is really good. I think the creature balance is really, really good. Um Yeah, I, I mean, I've just been having, like, a great time. Some of the notable cards, I guess, that I have played... Um, are the shield, shellard, she- she- shell, shellrod? I can never pronounce shieldred. Shieldred. There we go. Uh, in a limited context, that card is just punishing. It is like really, really good because, like you know, there's some removal, but like if you have that in your in your pool and you can kind of mix and match with a couple draw spells, like I mean, you can swing. Six life points very quickly, Um, and then just having like a four or five death touch is not nothing as well. So like that was just like one of the cards where I said where I thought every time I played it, I felt like I was automatically ahead. Um, But it's a very like you can deal with that card like um you know very easy to get the one in a white and destroy power toughness for like a you know instant speed whatever a card so. Overall, dude, uh, very much enjoying uh, uh, Dominaria in the Sealed sealed world.
0: So I have not played Sealed, but I've drafted it like six or seven times. Nice. Um, I was, like I said, I was at the in-laws. I wasn't feeling well. I had my laptop. You can put the pieces together from there. I will say this. It does have a very core set vibe when you draft it. Mm-hmm. More often than not, I end up in a two color kind of scenario and then like a third color kind of with my kickers or something like that you know like i'll i'll splash a couple of the dual lanes i will say this um i have liked but not loved the draft um i don't know if you've ever done this before cameron but i kind of was um reading up on best ways to kind of like engage with arena's economy and one of the things that they said to do was before you start drafting a set regularly craft four of every common and uncommon have you ever heard of this hmm okay so you do that before you start drafting and then you make your vault progress a lot faster. Um, and so you can, because every uncommon yeah. is worth like whatever 0. 0.3 or 0.5% of a of a vault. And, you know, so you can get wild cards faster if you do it, especially early on. So I thought I'd give it a try. And so far it's panned out. But me, like I'm sure you have 600, 500. Bazillion. common wild yeah. cards. Yeah. yeah. So it was kind of like a, it was a nothing ask to do. Um, It was just a lot of clicking. So I did that, and so far that's paid off, so I'd recommend giving that a shot, especially if you're the kind of person that plays a lot of limited, or you just crack a lot of packs, because usually when I'm in constructed mode, uh, every time I hit 1,000 gold, I just auto-cash it out for a pack to try and catch up. So whatever. Point being is I did that. And... The thing that I like about this draft is there's very strong archetypes. I would say, though, that if you are an aggressive to mid-range archetype, it's much easier to pull that off with the cards that are kind of laying around in the set. Um, there are a lot of wrath effects, actually, mm-hmm. in this format. So yeah. there's even an uncommon black one. So if you're, like, super low to the ground, it's tough. Um, but... um. The spell-heavy, because especially blue-white or blue-red spells, I find that when those decks come together, they're very good, but boy, do you need specifics. You need actual, like, really good cards that are that tie in with those things. Meanwhile, the best deck I've had so far was a Boros deck, and it was mostly commons, uncommons, and I just... That was easily my best deck. When mm. I tried to pull off five-color domain, kind of more esoteric, hey, I've got this random mythic that is a big ramp thing so let me try and pull off a domain deck um those those matches were really swinging i would also say that the planeswalkers in this format even karn can be exceptionally tough to beat mm. uh because there tends to be a lot of permanents in the game yeah and i just i actually just went one and three in a draft like an hour ago and um two of my losses the other person had the jaya <laughs> Planeswalker. Yeah. I mean, back to back matches. So I was like, yeah, "This is how today is going." <laughs> you know, it's like cool. Um, but I will say there are multiple games that, when you kind of go down the road on them, you feel like there. It's a really skill intensive uh, set and a lot of fun. I I'm the kind of guy, and I've said this before on the show, just like you always do. One week is sealed. When I engage with the draft, and this might be the case depending on how standard goes, I usually get my teeth kicked in for like two weeks. Like, I don't have a good record. I take a ton of time to learn a limited environment. Mm -hmm. I have to get in a ton of reps. But once I'm there, I can kind of turn the corner and get profitable on it. So I'm in the getting my teeth kicked in phase, but I'm still having a good time, which I think is a good indication of what this set is, Yeah, if that makes sense. It's also Um, just weird, I will
1: say, um, not having drafted or played sealed for this length of time. In some ways, just feels extra refreshing, you know. So in a way, uh, I guess two wizards benefit. Like I feel like this is even more fresh for me because, you know, I didn't touch the Balderdash or whatever it was called uh,
0: (laughs) set. That's what it's called now. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it was just like
1: really refreshing to just dive right back in and have like a new experience, you know.
0: Yeah, I would love to. I would love to know. I guess maybe it is somewhere and I just haven't read all the press releases but surely they're not going to do that again an alchemy only draft like mm-hmm. surely guys <laughs> I, I I mean the, the tenacity like with alchemy is is reaching wily e. coyote like levels of just like guys <laughs> it's time right yeah yeah um Alright, so constructed standard. Have you played any standard? I guess is the next question.
1: Yes. Uh so I somehow got a lot of really good black cards from the new set. So I opened a Liliana and I opened up that, that shellrid. Um and so Shieldred. Never gonna get that. Uh so anyway, and then you know, I had like my cut downs and things like that as well. So I have two decks. One that is, I think, kind of garbage, but I just wanted to check it out. And the other one I think has potential. The first one was Mono Black Midrange. Um, this has like Meat Hoot Massacre, um, Concealing Curtains, the Evolved Sleeper, you know, all those types of cards. Um, it's okay. I would tell you that I think Tenacious Underdog continues to be probably like one of the best creatures. In standard, it will continue to be for me at least. Um, really good card, just that recursion is amazing. Um, Liliana is all right, like in this context, like it dep- She is so m- matchup dependent, you know. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, in I'm so used to her in Legacy or Modern, where it's like, yeah, you're absolutely gonna play her and you're you know, you're golden, whatever you're doing you're using Liliana to the best of your ability and, like, those non-rotating formats. For whatever reason, in Standard, it just... She's good, but she's not, like, legacy good, in my opinion. So that was kind of, like, a weird shift that I had to get around. Uh, the other thing I played was uh, Black-White Control. And this one is, I think, a lot better. Once again, it's playing Tenacious Underdog, Heroes Downfall, um, but mixing mehood Hood Massacres with Wedding Announcements... And then just a really good uh, Planeswalker suite of Wandering Emperor Soren, and then a few Lilianas just because. Um, and uh, this is a really good. I, I like. I've had some really good success today playing this deck, and so I I, I like where it's ha- at. Um, and there's things I would like to try. I think Esper with with um, red. <laughs> Uh, would be, I think, really interesting with the the drawing abilities that you have within Esper Blue specifically. Where I think there might be some real potential there. That might be like actually the surprise card for me um, for the current set in Standard is is that card. I think the life gain thing and
0: four or five death touch is just huge. So, so first of all, I want to I want to talk about my experience playing Esper because that's the first place I went. And that deck needs to be massively reworked Mm -hmm. to fit within this metagame because everything that it's doing, Grixis does better. Hmm. Um, And the one thing I will agree, I'll agree with a lot of what you said, I'll disagree with one thing, but I'll agree with you on the front of Tenacious Underdog is the defining creature in this format. Mm -hmm. Like to the point at which you have to play Graveyard Trespasser to pick off your opponent's Tenacious Underdog's. If you are not playing four Tenacious Underdogs, four Graveyard Trespassers, in any of these decks we're talking about, mono black Esper, or Grixis, I kind of have to wonder what you're doing. I think Liliana is really good in this format. Okay. Uh, I don't think she is as good in Esper as she is in Grixis. For a lot of those same reasons, the, th- the kind of interactions you're having with your yard and all these other things. So now we're playing Soul Transfer. Um, and there, there's these other things. So, like, um, I built this version of Esper that plays, uh, it's Sarah something. It's a 3-4 angel, and every turn you can play one permanent out of your yard that costs three or less, right? Or a land. So I think that's where Esper has to go. But what I kind of found was Wedding Announcement. Terrible compared to fable, uh, uh, fable of the Mirror Breaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and Corpse Appraiser combined with Graveyard Trespasser just shuts down your opponent's tra- tenacious underdogs. Liliana the Veil um, is kind of the, the final combo piece in this like scenario that we're talking about. However, she's still not that great when you're behind an aggro deck. And what we're not going to see right now is the... Because ag- traditionally, Mono Black has always had this problem, is Mono Black looks great when you're playing mid-range to control mm-hmm. because they have all these ways to attack your hand. They have all these recursive threats. They have things like Phyrexian Arena or Dark Confidant or on and on and on, uh, where they're able to like constantly kind of grind out control decks. But then somebody shows up with like Hexproof. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, infect or, you know, pick your poison here. There's no pun intended, but there's just a lot of that kind of thing where it's like mono black has traditionally had problems with these kind of like more aggressive meteor strategies. That deck doesn't seem to exist right now. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much of cut down is like keeping those decks kind of at bay. Um, But dude, Esper's been, Nightmarishly bad for me. Hmm. Okay. And I see people post, oh, you know, I've tried this build, this build, I'm messing around with it. Shieldred um is great when you've got her down. When you're against her in your Esper, all your connive triggers make you lose two life per card you draw. Mm. So I've actually had games where I cannot attack for the win because of the connive trigger. Okay. Would kill me. So there's just those very random moments that don't necessarily tie together now look the other thing i would say is there exists a very strong possibility for a ramp deck that doesn't necessarily exist yet um there's the gross spiral that is it's like one in a blue scry and then draw a card and it's got kicker green Mm -hmm. and if you pay the kicker so is it joint expedition is what that's called like that thing i know it's a one mana extra gross spiral but, guys, I don't know if you remember Gross Spiral last time. <laughs> you know? Um, Nightmare, yeah. right? And I played... I I wish I would have screenshot it. I played against a domain control deck that was five colors, and it destroyed me. Hmm. Like, it played the six-mana Oblivion Ring variant on turn two. Dang. Like, yeah. And there's the the codex... That's a five mana artifact tap to draw, but then you can reduce, and you have to pay five and tap to draw a card, but you reduce it for each land you have in domain. So basically, it just becomes an artifact that you can tap to draw cards. And uh, he, he was playing that with Ren and Seven and like, Ren and whichever Ren it is, mm-hmm. and these big kind of beefy things. And my Esper deck could not keep. This dude was generating a ton. Of yeah, value
1: i feel like the esper just is a little too dirtily man It, i yeah
0: yeah 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 and a couple things to highlight here that i think are going to change because i i don't know if you saw but like magic online posted a, a tournament and like all the i think it was like 15 of the top 16 were lily onto the veil decks okay and people were in panic mode about it but here's what i'll tell you there was a time in magic past when you played at least two spell pierces in every deck, right? The previous incarnation of Liliana of the Veil was in standard at the same time as Mana League, right? Like, you just kind of have to adjust the cards that you're playing, and playing, you know, cards like Vanishing Verse or Binding of the Old Gods in Old Standard was very acceptable, and you could kind of get away with letting your opponent do a thing. Mm-hmm. That's not the case anymore. You kind of need to be Liliana is so susceptible to things like spell pierce and duress. Yep. That that's, I mean, those are the cards that keep it out of legacy, honestly, like and only in that context, it's days. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I have, here's what I was going to tell you, Cameron. It's not Lily on the veil. It's not tenacious underdog. It's not graveyard trespasser. It's all three of those cards have me very concerned because I'm just like, I don't know why you would play. Like, if, if, if we're being honest with each other, you should play a deck with those cards, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, I have some concerns about standard. Maybe it's just, maybe the last standard was really my jam. But I'm going to hunt down this five-color domain control list. Yeah, it
1: sounds like you might need to. I need to start splashing red for the, instead of wedding announcement. Wedding announcement is just garbage it relies on way too much why am I not playing
0: fable of mirror breaker hands down all the time yeah and then you can get into these <coughs> you know you can copy your graveyard trespasser to exile other things out of their yard like I, I I've kind of forgotten how much I leaned on go blank um in whenever I was playing against grixis mm-hmm. in the esper like an old esper midrange but they just have tools that can just like just pack you up mm-hmm. right now. Um, watch now. Next week we're going to be talking <laughs> about mono green agro or something. Um, that's how it goes. Uh, anyway, Cameron. But so far, Dominarian United, super interesting, super fun. I like the set a lot, and uh, I haven't. I, I feel like th- between this and Neon Dynasty, I mean, New Cap New is just not necessarily my favorite. It was fine. It's fine. But yeah, but. But this and Neon Dynasty have been like, I think, home runs, better sets than they've put together in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, so far, so good. Is that where you're at? Yeah. I, I echo a lot of
1: what you're saying. It's, uh, I mean, just flavor-wise, I think both of these are just memorable and they stand out to me. Um, and then just like the card quality and everything that they're doing for the standard, obviously the, the the pool is smaller again. Uh, but I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing like what else is going to be kind of popping up here in the
0: next couple of weeks. Same dude. We'll tell you what, let's get out of this segment. Talk about all these like high end TV shows we've been watching. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. All right, Cameron. So we're going to, we're going to say spoiler free, mm-hmm. but you did heed my recommendation. While some of the these people that I know have not, mm-hmm. you have checked out the new uh, House of the Dragon show. Or is the wife watching with you, or are you writing yeah. solo on nope,
1: this? No, nope, no, we're watching it together. Uh, and I'm gonna, I think, echo exactly what you said last week. Um, I kind of love this show, <laughs> flaws and all, warts and all. Like I, I really, really. Um, I don't think I realized how much – I think I forgot how much I genuinely love the world of Westeros because the last two seasons of that last show just soiled it for me where it's like everybody wanted to quit with the show and I completely get it and they had to wrap everything up and it's like I felt like – It just needed more episodes to expand and and all that, right? But we weren't going to get that. Revisiting this with House of Dragons, I I love it. I love coming back to this world. I love going 200 years in the past. I love the characters that they designed. And most especially what I like about this show is just in terms of TV, it's focused. I, I think in the context of a book, you can you know follow eight different characters, and in, I understand the machinations a lot better. Pacing works a little bit better in a book when you have that many characters, and you can be epic and sprawling, and this is why you get the doorstopper fiction. Um, but within the terms of TV, um, especially if you're limited to 10 episodes and all of your characters are the favorite characters, it's really hard to tell a good story or a focused story. Um, and that's what I think works best with house of dragons is that we're just following the Targaryen family. Um, and all the political machinations that are kind of surrounding that are there and present, but it's all through the lens of these, these main characters. And man, do I appreciate that? Um, you know, like I wouldn't say it's like as good as the first season of the game of Thrones, like that really, I don't know, it was something special because it, this fantasy book came to life uh but it's really Mm -hmm. good man i'm I'm really really digging these first three episodes
0: yep um i'm there too man i'm sorry i'm waxing poetic (laughs) no no like you and i are of one mind and i i kind of i'm bummed out that so many people that like were part of the cultural thing of house of dragons are opting out of this for because they felt so burned Mm mm-hmm Um, but I mean, it's not hurt the ratings on this show. I guess it's just like crushing it. So good. good. That's good news. All right. So rings of power (laughs) is the other big one to talk about. Um, dude, I loved rings of power. Like I am such a Homer for this kind of thing. And I feel even weird talking to you about it. But honestly, this show in the first 10 minutes, I was like, this show's gonna be amazing. <laughs> like, I knew right away, okay? And there is this from a production standpoint, there is a, uh, do they still call them map paintings? I don't even know, but you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. where the character, it, like, and this, this like moment was more expensive and well crafted and well scored. <laughs> And well shot than anything in, name your fantasy show, House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones, Outlander, on and on. It was just a giant, check this out, bros. (laughs) And so, like, if nothing else, if nothing else, you have to watch this for the production values. Because they are jaw-dropping astonishing. Okay? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think this is the most expensive show ever made on a per-episode basis. Yeah. Okay? So there is that. But this all takes place... So I don't think this ruins a ton for you, but the end of this series technically would be the prologue for The Fellowship of the Rings, right? So this is the story of how we get there. They had to take a bunch of stuff and squeeze it in together because elves are immortal. They have to have human interaction as well. So you can't, like basically they're squeezing things that happen over the course of hundreds of years in the Cimmerillion into a shorter period of time. Okay. You are following Galadriel as uh and she is in the context of this show a warrior um and also in terms of the books not to get too much into it but basically there was like the place that elves lives they got kicked out of there um Galadriel went with the elves that got kicked out. That's they ended up getting kicked out to Middle-earth. Um and you get kind of a nice prologue about Morgoth more and, you know, all the fun Lord of the Rings lore that you could spend way too much time on Wikipedia absorbing. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it just felt like coming home again, dude. And this is full on the first trilogy, like Excise of the Hobbit trilogy from your mind. This doesn't look like it. It doesn't feel like it. It's not shot in 80, 80 frames a second or whatever that you did. Remember that? Oh, <laughs> that was like super, don't even give me Super bizarre. <laughs> um. None of that, uh, and there's just some really, really good writing here, but it is much more trying to be kind of a poetic expression of Tolkien's world, and in that way, characters tend to talk a little bit more abstractly than they would in Game of Thrones. I think that is very clear with what Tolkien would have wanted, and if you read the books, you, I, I mean, if you read his books... There's a lot of like lyrical things and things that are said, um, that are meant to be, you know, kind of metaphorical. Mm-hmm. Um, and ah, dude, it's just got everything I want. It's got this really great kind of ethos and vibe to it. It's got great production values and you kind of get this background for Galadriel, which in the Simrillion is kind of depicted as a. I, I, I don't even know how to put this. She was all about becoming a ruler, right? Like, mm-hmm. And that's like kind of what you get about her. And that, like, if you watch Fellowship where she kind of does the freak out, remember? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what they're referencing. But you kind of get a context to that. Um, and uh, so I, yeah, dude, I loved it. I, I'm just such a home. Like, I don't, the thing that I hate about recommending this to you is you're just like, yeah, of course Curtis would like it. <laughs> Curtis probably liked those Lord of the Rings animated yeah. movies. And, like and yes, dressing, I did. You probably too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, my body as this constituted at least 70% <laughs> ranch dressing right now. So, um I loved 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 it mm. and I I mean, dude, it's it's fun for me to watch this and then visit Wikipedia. Oh afterwards. yeah, yeah,
1: that's the most rewarding part sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um but you want to talk about some the I, it's kind of embarrassing how bad this makes like the Obi-Wan mini series look in terms of production value. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Like, that something could be this much higher production value than a Star Wars thing. And Obi-Wan had great production values. I'm not saying it didn't. I'm just saying, like... There was, there was some, like, cheap TV there. <laughs> yeah, There was some TV. There was some TV, right? Yeah. And I... Again, I don't know how we got on this where people think... Assume I'm an Obi-Wan hater. I <laughs> like that show. I watched every episode when they came out. But this is just, like, a new planet, dude. Um, so, yeah. Nice. Okay. Watch it. I'll, check I'll, it we'll out. We'll check it out, Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe just like binge it, cause like they're on weekly releases now. Mm-hmm. Was it like um, eight ten
1: episodes? I think so. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's totally
0: doable. Yeah, and then you can watch. You could probably finish the Expanse too, dude. Yeah, it's, uh, it's that's pretty really good. good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, Cameron, if someone would like to tell you to finish the Expanse, where could they find you? That's all on Twitter at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm Matt Curtis now. Our official show feed is at SpikeBeedMTG. We will check you guys next week.